welcome to Stories of Faith and Hope, the podcast that inspires your faith and gives you reason to hope. I'm your host, Joel Sutherland. I guess I have to start this podcast with an apology and uh, kind of a moment of authenticity. I, uh, I finished up the episode, got the bumpers recorded, the, the, you know, the bookends, the front end, the back end. I got everything done. And then I realized that I had already released the episode on Daniel chapter 6, Daniel in the Lion's Den, which is the preview I gave you last week for this week's podcast. I had already done it uh, somewhere near the end of season two. And for some reason, I never marked that I had actually released that one. So I'm having to redo everything for this week. And, uh, we are not doing Daniel chapter 6. Instead, we are doing Daniel chapter 10, the next episode in our saga on Daniel. It's just as good, if not better, than the episode on Daniel chapter 6, trust me. I talk a lot about the reasons behind what happened at the beginning of Daniel 10. Daniel's um, he's fasting and praying for three weeks before he gets an answer. And we find out why as we go through this chapter. And, and I just want to encourage you, if you're in a place where you feel like God's not listening, that your prayers go no higher than the ceiling, this episode's for you. So without further ado, here are my thoughts on Daniel chapter 10. Last time we were on Daniel chapter 6, we talked about Daniel in the lion's den. And the time before that, we were talking about Daniel 9. Remember, we're going through the book of Daniel chronologically, not numerically. So we've been bouncing back and forth a little bit through the chapters based upon the time period that they cover and and when they were written. So we had uh, Daniel 8 and 9, where we talked about the sanctuary being cleansed. And we had this prophecy about the Messiah that uh, he would come in 70 weeks or 69 weeks, uh, he would be anointed. We talked about that. And then, then we had this showdown between the princes, governors of Medo-Persia now, because they had taken over Babylon, and Daniel. And uh, Daniel ended up in the lion's den, but God ended up protecting him and honoring him and promoting him as a result of that experience. So now we're on to Daniel chapter 10. And uh, as we like to do, we're reading from the Clear Word Bible. It's a modern paraphrase. Daniel chapter 10 and verse 1. It wasn't until the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that I had another vision. It extended over centuries and was also difficult to understand. But it was explained by the angel so I could better grasp its meaning. All right, so if you recall, Daniel chapter 6, we had Darius on the, phone, on the throne, um, and uh, he was king. Um, he kind of took over while Cyrus came, conquered Babylon, moved on to continue conquering other things, and uh, Darius kind of took over while Cyrus was gone. And then uh, Cyrus, by this time, has gotten back. He's now taken his throne um, the ruler of Babylon and uh, Medo-Persia combined now. And uh, so this is the third year of Cyrus's reign. And the thought is that this is probably 535 BC. It's been 70 years since Daniel had been uh, captured from Israel, taken to Babylon. And uh, Cyrus has given the command that 
people would go back to Judah, they'd go back to Jerusalem and begin building the temple. And that process had started. We uh, read about it in Ezra, that they had gone back, they started building the temple, but they hadn't gotten very far. They had just gotten the altar built, actually. And all of a sudden, the, uh, the Samaritans that were living nearby they hired counselors against the Jews, trying to bribe government officials to influence King Cyrus to rescind his decree. So there's <clears throat> there's this um, terrible situation going on where they're trying to undo what King Cyrus has done. They're trying to stop the work on the Temple of God there in Jerusalem. So Daniel hears about this. And what is his response. Well, we're going to pick up the story in Daniel chapter 10 and verse 2. Again, he mentioned that he had had this vision, and he's giving the setting for this vision. The vision came after I had fasted and prayed for three full weeks. During this time, I ate no delicacies, no meat, no choice foods or drink, and denied myself any personal luxuries until the three weeks were over. All right, so basically, Daniel hears about this, that they're trying to shut down the building of the temple. Um, maybe he's caught wind of some of the counselors that are there around King Cyrus that have been bribed to try to uh, stop this, to try to influence Cyrus to rescind his decree. And Daniel's response, we shouldn't be surprised by this point in the book of Daniel, his response is to fall to his knees and begin praying. And so he begins fasting and praying. And, and he prays day in and day out, denying himself luxuries for three weeks. And uh, verse 4. On the 24th day of the first month, I was standing and looking at the mighty Tigris River. Suddenly, I was in vision and saw someone standing in the distance dressed in a white linen robe with a belt of gold around his waist. His whole body seemed to radiate light, and his face was as bright as a flash of lightning. His eyes looked like flickering flames of fire, and his arms and legs were shiny like highly polished bronze. His voice sounded like a huge choir speaking in unison. I knew it was the Son of Man. Wow! What an incredible vision Daniel sees here. So he's standing on the side of this river, and uh, he sees this man, shining, glorious, beautiful. If you compare this description with the description that John gives of Jesus in the book of Revelation chapter 1, you find a lot of similarities. And you realize this is Jesus, just as Daniel came to the conclusion of this is the Son of Man. This is Jesus Christ himself pre-incarnate. This is before he has come to earth, before he's become a human but it's still Jesus. And verse 7. I was the only one who saw this. Those who were with me knew something mysterious was happening. But they were so frightened they ran away and hid. I was left by myself and continued in vision, but my strength left me and I slumped to the ground feeling terribly unclean. I could hear what he was saying, but as he talked I fell into a deep sleep with my face down and knew nothing. That was going on around me. So those around Daniel, those who were attending him, they uh, knew something was going on, but they were frightened, and so they ran away. It kind of reminds me of um, the experience Saul had on the road to Damascus, and 
this voice, Jesus, you know, says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul heard the voice, but nobody else did. They thought it sounded like thunder. They didn't know exactly what happened. So a similar interaction here between Jesus and Daniel. And he suddenly falls over, slumping to the ground, feeling unclean. Reminds me of the story of Isaiah when he's called in Isaiah chapter 6. He sees the Lord high and lifted up, and he suddenly feels like he's unclean. He has unclean lips, and he lives in a people of unclean lips. The reaction to seeing God, the reaction to seeing holiness, is feeling unclean, unworthy. And Daniel feels this way. And he ends up falling into a deep sleep with his face down, and he knows nothing of what's going on. Verse 10. Again, we're in Daniel chapter 10 and verse 10. Then I felt someone touch me and help me get up on my hands and knees. It was the angel Gabriel. Now remember, we've met Gabriel before. He was the one who, who came and, and helped Daniel understand the vision in the last chapters. 8 and 9. He said, Daniel, God loves you very much. Now listen and try to understand what I'm going to tell you. But first, stand up. I did, although I was very weak and trembling. He said, don't be afraid, because the first day you, you humbled yourself and started to fast and pray for an explanation of the vision, your prayer was heard. Now I've come to help you understand it. All right, so Gabriel comes up, who Daniel knows. He's a, he's a friend of Daniel's. Uh, he's the, uh, the highest angel in heaven. And he lifts Daniel up to his feet, tells him, don't be afraid. Uh, God loves you very much. Isn't that beautiful? Daniel's feeling worthless. He's feeling unclean. He's feeling unworthy. And Gabriel says, don't worry, Daniel. God loves you very, very much. That's just beautiful to me. And then he says, the very first day you started praying, the moment that your prayer escaped your lips, it was heard. It was heard, Daniel, all the way up in heaven. We heard your prayer and we went to work. Now you might be wondering, okay, why did it take three weeks then? Because Daniel's been praying and fasting for three weeks. That's a lot of time without food. Why did it take so long? Well, Gabriel continues. Verse 13. The reason for the three-week delay is that the king of Persia refused to cooperate and help carry out God's plan for his people. Then Michael, the prince of the Lord's host, came to help me. He stayed there to hold the evil powers in check and counteract their counsel. All right. This blows my mind. This is... This is like the curtain being pulled back. You can see behind the scenes. In the King James Bible, it talks about the prince of Persia. Now, this is not Cyrus. This, this translation makes it sound like it's talking about Cyrus. But, but it's, the prince of Persia is, is an evil spirit who's controlling, who's, who's taken Persia as their domain. And so we have this celestial battle going on between Gabriel and this evil angel, the prince of Persia. And, and you remember what Daniel's prayer is about. He's, he's praying because 
Cyrus is is considering whether to rescind his order or not, whether to stop this building of the temple. And uh, and so he's there trying to decide, and there's this evil spirit who's pushing on him, saying, you need to rescind the order. You need to listen to these counselors who have been hired by the Samaritans. <clears throat> you need to you need to stop this. And then you have Gabriel fighting him, saying, don't, don't interfere. And trying to work on Cyrus's heart, saying, no, you gave the right order. You need to keep that. You, you need to look at who these counselors are, are hired by, etc. And so there's this battle for three weeks. And this evil angel, the prince of, of Persia, will not let up. Gabriel can't get through. He can't fight him off. And so there's, there's this mighty battle for three weeks, and suddenly, finally, Michael, the archangel, the ruler of the angels, which is Jesus Christ himself, Michael comes and takes care of the problem. He comes to help Gabriel with this. And so they're able to counteract that evil counsel and save the uh, the temple in, in Jerusalem. Verse 14. Now I've come to help you better understand what will happen to your people in the days ahead. What I'm going to tell you will fill you in on some of the details of the previous visions that you had. They're all part of one prophecy that extends to the end of time. So he says, I'm going to show you some things. They'll fill in some details of previous visions you've had. And this is all about, this is one prophecy that extends down to the end of time. Verse 15, when he said that, I bowed my head and was speechless because I remembered how terrible those visions had been, as well as the explanations he had given me. Remember, Daniel's already been sick for days over, over these visions. And then Gabriel veiled his brightness, took on human form and touched my lips. When I opened my mouth, I could speak again. So I said, sir, this vision was terrible. It scared me and has left me very weak. I'm your servant, but I have so little strength. It's difficult for me to carry on a conversation. I can hardly breathe, but I know you can read my thoughts. He touched me again, and I felt new strength flow into me. He said, don't be afraid. God loves you very much. Again, that promise, God loves you very much. Peace be to your soul and strength to your body. As soon as he said that, I became even stronger. So I said, sir, now I'm strong enough to listen and concentrate on what you have to say. Then he said, I've come for the sole purpose of helping you better understand the visions you've had. As soon as I do this, I must go back to continue my work with the king of Persia and later with the king of Greece. First, let me tell you what is written in God's book of truth about events to come. No one else is strong enough to contend with Satan's forces who are trying to control the kings of the earth, except Michael, the prince of the Lord's host. Wow, what an incredible chapter. Daniel chapter 10. So we have this news that comes in. There's, there's these counselors that have been hired by the Samaritans to talk bad about those that have gone back to Jerusalem. They're trying to get Cyrus to rescind his order to build the temple. 
And then you have Daniel who is fasting and praying, begging God to do something, to step in, to stop this. And you have Gabriel struggling for three weeks to try to counteract the evil influences. There's this battle between him and another powerful evil angel. Finally, Michael, Jesus Christ himself, comes in and and, uh, is able to win that battle and allow Cyrus to continue with his original plan and not resend his order to rebuild the sanctuary. And you have Gabriel who then comes to Daniel to personally give him an answer to his prayer. And, and, and Gabe and, and Daniel, meanwhile, sees Jesus himself standing by the river. And then Gabriel says, I'm here to help you understand these things and to give you one more vision. You know, I don't know what your life looks like right now. Maybe you're on your knees. Maybe you're fasting and praying for something that seems impossible. Maybe you don't know where you're going to get the strength. Maybe you feel unworthy whenever you think about God. Just remember, God loves you very, very, very much. And he is willing to throw all of heaven's resources to answer your prayers. Isn't that such an encouraging thought? I don't know how you feel or if you've ever been there where you feel like God's not answering your prayers, but he is so willing and ready to throw everything in to answer your prayer. Well, next week here on Stories of Faith and Hope, we have a special interview with Joseph Habedink. He is a Southern Gospel recording artist as well as songwriter. Uh, He used to sing with the Perrys for a while. He's now a solo artist. But he struggled with addiction. And uh, in next week's episode, he shares the story about how God led him through that. So here is a preview of next week's episode. Uh, Before it was all said and done, I was taking uh, anywhere from 10 to 12 hydrocodone or oxycodone every day of my life and just a broken, broken young man, uh, ended up losing my job after 10 years with the Perrys. And that was kind of my rock bottom for me because Mm -hmm. who I was as a singer and a songwriter. And when that was stripped away, when it was taken away from me, I think that was my rock bottom. You don't want to miss his incredible testimony right here on Stories of Faith and Hope. Make sure you're subscribed on whatever platform you're listening on. Uh, You can go to our website, faithandhoperadio.com, to learn more and find links to all of those places, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. Um, You can find us on Facebook at Faith and Hope Radio and our brand new Instagram page at Faith and Hope Radio as well. Uh, Music was provided by Dexter Britton under the Creative Commons license. I hope you enjoy this episode, and I will see you next week. And until then, have faith and hope.